Excerpts from Why a Manger by Bodie and Brock Taney. Why Jesus? Who is this baby? And why is his birth so important? From the book of Isaiah, for us, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign in David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Not just any baby, such a baby. He'll know all the mysteries from the beginning of time. No before the beginning. All of that explained. Messiah, first light, he who sang the stars into existence will be born. As Joseph reflected on who the baby in the manger really was, he was in awe. Who could take everything in? Apart from the proclamations of heavenly heralds, how would anyone else accept it? Baby Jesus, eternal word of the one true and living God, pursed his rosebud lips and made sucking noises. Inside the feed trough, wrapped in swaddling cloths and cocooned in a blanket, the Son of God blinked unfocused eyes at the lamp's flame. Shalom, little one, Joseph whispered, adoring what he saw. He rubbed the corner of his eye on his rope sleeve. A moment later, the baby's right hand closed around Joseph's little finger. Joseph's eyes overflowed onto his cheeks and down his beard. Shalom, he whispered again. Welcome to our stopping, the carpenter corrected himself. Welcome to your world. You are loved. What is it about a Jewish boy named Jesus, born so long ago to a poor family of no influence or human importance and born among sheep, no less, that calls to our hearts, let's go see once a year. Why do scores of shoppers crowd malls accompanied by the strains of carols on loudspeakers proclaiming messages such as this one, oh come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord, who is the baby called by the angels, Christ the Lord? And why should we, like the shepherds of Bethlehem and the wise men, seek him and adore him? The answer goes back to the very beginning of the world. The beginning of the book of John says this, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. The Bible reveals that the Word, Jesus, existed before time and before creation. That he was not only with God, but was God. 
Genesis 1-1 tells us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How glorious it would have been to have seen the creation of the world. The fingers of God separating the heavens and the earth, the water from the land, the day from the night, and the first glittering of the stars and planets on the fresh canvas of God's world. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, was creator of all of that. How then could the living word lay aside his glory and descend from heaven to earth to live as a fragile human? It was all because of love. Yet the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. How can death be our destiny if God loves us? Where did death come from? In the beginning, God created man and woman in his own image with a loving relationship in mind, and he saw that his original creation was good. Adam and Eve lived in a peaceful, perfect place. The Lord walked with them and fellowshiped with them face to face. Who knows how long their lives were in perfect harmony with the Creator. They were given everything they wanted or needed and were warned by God that there was only one tree they could not eat from, and if they disobeyed, they would die. Enter Satan, the fallen angel Lucifer, who had other plans. When Eve was tempted by the serpent, she was offered the fruit of a tree that would make her like the Almighty. She didn't need the tree for food. She could eat all of the other trees. The Lord fed Adam and Eve by his own hand. Why did she taste the fruit, knowing God had forbidden it? The temptation was that she would be like God. She was unwilling to let God be God in the lives of her husband and her future children. She wanted to be the one in charge. Eve believed that she could act better for them than the Almighty himself. Doubting God and needing to control our own lives and the lives of others has been the curse of mankind ever since. From the book of John, in him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. From the first moment of disobedience, darkness descended into the place that had once been filled with light and life and joy. Darkness descended into the hearts of the mother and father of all mankind. Even in the midst of such darkness, all was not lost. Hope was not lost. God had a plan for redemption, for the saving of the human race. But it was a plan that would reveal itself in his timing over thousands of years. It would also cost him the ultimate sacrifice, the life of his one and only son, Jesus. Jesus, whose name in Hebrew means God our salvation. Jesus, the baby in the manger. From the book of John, 
the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Almighty God could have descended as a mighty warrior surrounded by a host of angel armies to destroy all evil with a vengeful flash of the sword. Instead, he arrived gently and quietly in the womb of a young woman in the backwoods of Nazareth. Mankind was not created for the sake of the world. No, the heavens and the earth were created for the sake of mankind. The story of creation begins with the Spirit of God brooding over the waters like a hen above her nest. All of creation was covered by his love. When the nest was finally perfect, man and woman were created last of all created to have fellowship and to share in the love of God every day. He walked with them in the garden until the children he created and cherished turned from him and followed their own way. There is no greater sorrow than the fall of man and the entry of death into a perfect world. But here is the good news all of Scripture points to an hour in history and to the birth of the one by whose word all of creation came into existence. If the Lord created all things because of his love for his children, does it not stand to reason that he would come personally to save everyone who calls upon his name? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. All the hopes of mankind since the banishment from Eden were suddenly contained within the womb of this humble young woman. Some would scoff about God sending the Messiah in the form of a baby. Others would believe, seek him, and worship at his feet but none would remain untouched. Indeed, the whole world seemed to be waiting, some with dread and palpable hatred, others with hope and breathless anticipation. Another 30 years would pass between the birth of the Messiah and the time he finally revealed himself to his beloved Israel. Oppressed by the Romans and corrupt leaders in Jerusalem, the people longed for the Messiah to destroy all evil. Then Jesus, whom the angel called Emmanuel, God with us, finally appeared on the scene. He was vastly different from everyone's expectations. Instead of judgment, he brought mercy and love. For over 30 years, he walked this earth, and stories of his miracles abounded. Men who had never walked before ran after him. Sons who had never spoken a word sang praises to his name. Women who had lived lonely lives, barren of hope, danced at their own weddings while others carried babies in their arms. Beautiful daughters, once marred by leprosy, 
were healed and whole and reunited with families who had grieved as though their girls were dead. It was true what the prophets had said about Messiah. Jesus healed them of all their diseases. So it had come to pass. Those who have long lived in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus was and is that light. Have you allowed him into the dark places of your heart? Why, Jesus? Heaven has spoken plainly about who Jesus is. From his existence before time began, to his descent to earth as a baby in the manger, to the miracles he worked while walking in the earth. Every word of Holy Scripture points to Jesus as the Redeemer. The question for each one of us is, do I believe that? Well, good morning. It's okay, you can say it. Good morning. My name is Brent. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to thank you for joining us this Christmas Eve to remember and to celebrate with us the birth of Christ, the one who Scripture tells us is the Redeemer and is God come to be near with us. I want to invite you as we celebrate this morning to take just a couple of minutes to stop and consider this question that was posed. Do I believe what Scripture tells us about Jesus? Do I really believe it? If we do believe it, when we believe it, it draws us into comfort and it challenges us to live all of our lives in submission to Christ. This is a question that is for every one of us here this morning. This isn't just for people who have never heard or never considered the claims of Christ. This isn't just for people who regularly come to church every Christmas and every Easter. This is a question for everybody. It's a question for Sunday school teachers and growth group leaders. It's a question uh, for people who study the claims of Christ and who study scripture and people who have never cracked a Bible. It's for people who don't know what to do with Jesus and for people who love him deeply. It's for those of us who were raised going to church perhaps in an old bathrobe to be a part of the Christmas pageant this time of year. And for those of us who never or rarely darkened the door of a church. The question of do I really believe what Scripture tells us about Jesus is for everyone this Christmas. So let's take a minute to just think about that question. We've heard it read to us again this morning. We've proclaimed it in song. The Bible tells us that Jesus is God come near to us. Here at Lakewood, we've been looking at John chapter 1 this Christmas season, and it contains one of my favorite verses about Christ. John chapter 1, verse 14, in part, says this. It says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Christmas is when we celebrate that God Himself, the all-powerful, all-knowing, loving and compassionate creator has come near to his creation. Not just in a spiritual sense, but physically. Not just through one of his messengers, one of his heralds, but personally. 
God has come near. Now, I would be lying to you if I said that this was easy to really believe. Pretty soon, this this next coming week, we're going to see in the newspaper and on TV, right? 2017, year in review. And we're going to be reminded of things like Hurricane Harvey that drowned Houston in 50 inches of rain. We're going to be reminded of the hurricanes that hit the Caribbean, uh, Irma and Maria, and the hundreds of billions of dollars of damage that they caused and the lives that they took. We're going to be reminded of the suffering in the world caused by things like the ongoing civil war in South Sudan and the forced relocation of the Rohingya in Myanmar. We're going to be reminded of all of these things. And even as we're reminded of that pain and darkness in the world as a whole, no doubt we will call to our own minds the ways that brokenness and pain has entered into our own lives. We can't even begin to tabulate the hurt that each of us feel from individual loss and tragedy. It's all there. And if we allow it, it would obscure the truth that God has come near to us in Christ at Christmas. I know what some of you think when I say that. You think, really? Really? All-powerful and loving Creator has come near? You expect me to believe that? How can I believe that? If He's all-powerful, why is all this stuff wrong? If He's loving, why hasn't He fixed it yet? It can be a challenge to really believe. But Christmas is a time when we see that light just a little bit more clearly. Christmas is a time when it's easier to see, just even a little bit, that all is not lost. That evil will not have the last word, but that God has come near. He has acted on behalf of humanity to redeem and to restore. We know that. We know that there's peace and comfort to be found in a baby laying in a manger. But knowing this and believing it are two different things. We've talked this fall here at Lakewood about the fact that when we really believe something, it influences all about us. It speaks into our thoughts and our attitudes. It dictates our actions. Just because we know that God came near to us at Christmas doesn't mean that we're living it out, doesn't mean that we believe it. So I ask you this morning, do you believe, I ask myself, do I believe that God has come near to us in Christ at Christmas? Do I believe that I really don't need to be anxious, that I don't need to fear, that I need not fret, that I need not worry? I ask, is is your life marked with the joy and the comfort that comes from the truth of Creator God laying in a manger, not only for the world as a whole and in the abstract, but for you and your family? Maybe a better way for us to examine our lives in regards to this is to ask, what area of lives have I forgotten about the comfort that comes from knowing that God has entered into our world? What area of your life have you allowed anxiety or fear, worry, bitterness, or hatred to take hold? 
Where are you not fully believing the comfort that comes in Christ at Christmas? Would you allow God's Spirit to apply the truth of His Word to these areas of your life? Would you choose to believe again this Christmas that, we are, uh, that God has not left us alone, but that He has acted by sending Himself to come, to be near, to take the punishment that we deserve, and to set all that was broken and all that was lost back right again? Believe this for every aspect of your life. We want to believe that. We want the comfort. We want the peace. And it's good to focus on the comfort that Christ brings at Christmas. But the nearness of God not only provides for our comfort, it also demands our obedience. Believing what Scripture teaches about Jesus means that we recognize that that little baby in a manger is also the one who created all. He is Lord of everything means that that powerless child is the same one who spoke galaxies into existence. And remembering this, believing this, reminds us, points us back to the fact that health and wholeness and flourishing that we look for and long for only comes in submission to Christ, the Lord. The truth that Scripture tells us about Christ doesn't only provide for our comfort, it demands our obedience. But we fight against that. Scripture tells us that each of us has gone astray. We all turn to our own way. We have rejected God, and in so doing, we have rightly earned His wrath as individuals and as humanity. So let's consider in what areas of your life, in what areas of my life, Am I fighting against submission to God? Where have I replaced the truth of His Word for lies that can be tempting and that I can believe? Have I chosen to believe that happiness comes in having more stuff, so instead of giving generously, I try to hold tightly? Have you believed, perhaps, that you are self-sufficient in your faith, that you don't need the church, that you don't need brothers and sisters to pray with, to learn with, to worship with, and to encourage you. So instead of entering into what's happening, you keep the church at a distance. Or perhaps you've believed the lie that the best that life can offer is in the here and now. So you've done everything that you can to seek pleasure and to avoid pain. And you've forgotten that Christ bids us to come and die. And you've been unwilling to pay any price for the cause of Jesus Christ and His kingdom. And you've forgotten that only in so doing can we find life and life abundantly. What lies have we believed that have caused us to turn from submission to Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, who came near when He was born on Christmas Day? In a minute, we're going to sing of more of the truth of Christmas. We'll sing another Christmas favorite, O Holy Night. As we sing that, I just invite you to think about these two things and ask yourself, do I really believe the truth about Christ that we're reminded of at Christmas? 
Do I really believe that this is God come near to us to provide for our comfort and to demand our obedience? Does that belief influence and dictate every aspect of my life, from my thoughts to my attitudes to my actions? Do I believe this? Do I believe that Jesus is God come near? Emmanuel. Part of the words of the song that we're going to sing are a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. The nearness of Christ brings hope as we remember that his coming means that the darkness does not hold complete sway, that evil will not have the last word, but that God's plan to redeem and restore will prevail. And we'll sing, fall on your knees. And we'll remember that that is the only right response to the truth of Christmas. Falling on our knees in glad submission to Christ, the Lord of all. Maybe you're here this morning and you recognize that over the last year or years, you have not lived in concert with the truth about Christ at Christmas. You haven't truly believed it. I encourage you to talk with somebody about that, to just let them know, to ask them to pray for you, to be encouraged by having others with you in this. Maybe you came with friends or family this morning, maybe because uh, they usually go to church and you don't, maybe because you always come to church together as a family. Either way, talk to your friends, talk to your family and say, you know what, I've, I've missed it in some ways. Every one of us has, so there's no shame in it. I've missed it in some ways. Pray for me, would you? If you didn't come with somebody, I'm going to be down here in the front at the end of the service. Feel free to come talk with me. I'd love to pray for you. Uh, Perhaps the ushers or somebody else from on stage or somebody else uh, that is on staff or that is familiar here, they'd love to talk with you. They'd love to pray with you. But don't leave without uh, entering more fully into the belief that God has come near at Christmas in Christ. Father, we thank you. We give praise to you for this chance to again be reminded that you came near to us at Christmas. Will you forgive us for the times that we have allowed the sin and darkness of our world and in our lives to cause us to doubt your goodness and your power? Will you forgive us for the ways that we have sought to go our own way and we have ignored your commands? Will you strengthen us again as we have read and have heard and proclaim your truth, what we truly believe. God, would you help us to not just say it, but live it. Thank you, God, for your son, Jesus. We worship you in awe this morning through him.